Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. February 27, 1996, I'm talking with James. Uh, I hope I said that correctly, James. Hi. Hi. Hi, and... uh, it's so good to uh, meet you again over the telephone lines, uh, all the way from Maryland. And uh, I have a trouble pronouncing the name of the town that you live in. It's Canonium. That's perfect. Canonium, Maryland. Uh, James uh, is 90 years old and uh, is uh, probably the only person alive today. Uh, who worked with Bill Wilson uh, when he was in the Oxford group in uh, New York uh, back in the mid-1930s. And, uh, James, I'd like to start by uh, asking you to uh, give me a little bit of background information on uh, where you were born and uh, uh, where you grew up in education and, and how you uh, made contact with the Oxford group or how they made contact with you. Well... <laughs> I don't know if I can, I can give you this in a nutshell, Molly, but I was born in a little town uh, in Maryland that was named Walkersville. Okay. February 21st, 1906. And I, shortly after I was born, I, I moved into a farm in Searsville, which is just a short distance away. I lived on the farm until I was 12 years old, and I moved to Frederick. And, uh, spent most of my uh, young uh, teenage life there. I was probably four years old when I moved there. And I uh, had very little uh, uh, spiritual contact. So we lived on a farm and we did go to church uh, every Sunday. Uh, I don't remember ever going to church. Oh, okay. From there. I was, uh, I, I had never been baptized. Yeah, and, uh, and, and homebrew, uh, uh, rock got liquor. 
leaving people home. And this is what, you know, we get. So, okay. Uh, I went to high school, uh, the station, and, uh, and, uh, I, uh, I got married in, uh, 
I thought I was in the, uh, I was in the, uh, uh, the law game. But then I got involved in the church at, I was on the teaching Sunday school, uh, when I met the Oxford group. But, uh, uh, what I talked about on, on Sunday morning had no relationship to what I did on Saturday night. And, uh, I found that uh, alcohol was not my problem at all. My problem was dishonesty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I, uh, I worked for a power company at that time, and I, I, uh, I got paid a salary. But I worked overtime, and I didn't get paid overtime. So I felt perfectly justified in setting my first account. Like I said, oh, okay. I even had a jumper on my factory. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do that, of course. Uh, yeah, I was in the meter department, and I knew how to do it. I, I paid. I paid one week's current out of, out of the month. And uh, so the thing that hit me between the eyes was, uh, was, was absolutely right. Uh, and uh, that led into a, into a, a, a uh, whole side of worms that had to be, had to be straightened out. And then uh, Brooklyn and the Oxford group, and we Bill Wilson touched on it some in the 12 steps, but he didn't, didn't emphasize it as much as Brooklyn said. This is restitution. Uh, and I think that's it. Uh, without, uh, restitution opens up, uh, the, 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 the whole thing. Uh, it frees the soul. So the problem is restitution was something that cleans your own slate and that it gets you inside. And all, all cleaned up and ready to go. And sure it's that, but what is the most important thing, the biggest thing about it, is what it does for the young fellow. Now let me give you a little Yes, please do. Uh, when, when, uh, I was 12 years old there in Frederick, it was back in 1918. Uh, I, I worked for a fellow who had an electric store. And I worked for Nicola now. I worked 10 hours a day, so I got 50 cents a day. I worked six days a week. I got three bucks a week. And I became fascinated with the electric bulbs and wires and extensions. So I wanted to leave my home. Uh, and, uh, so I couldn't buy them, so I sold them from them. So now, now 18 years later, I go back to, uh, Go back to him that uh, so happened that at that time he and I were both elders on the same church board. Oh my! It's made a little sticky, you know. But uh, I wanted to get in on it. He said, "Well, I'll have to get to the church. I don't want to. I do what's your problem? My problem is to pay back uh, this money." And then he said, "Straight thing. He said, you have time for coffee?'" And I said, "Yeah." So we went across the street and he says, uh, look, sir, uh, I never had anyone to get out of here this way before. And he said, uh, I, I feel happy now for you. He said, uh, my wife and I are on Persian court. I haven't been through to learn. And, uh, the papers are gone. I don't see any way out. But you gave me an idea. I'm going to back and be absolutely honest with her about my life. Yeah, straight out. Which they did, and they, they, they never got to 
then you lose the power of God in life. So, uh, Meeting. Yes, sir. Can you run through uh, an Oxford group meeting, how it would open and any type okay, of format? Uh, 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 we would have a, uh, we would have a, uh, a, uh, uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it. Well, it, it was, it was quite a different type of spiritual meeting. Uh, there, there, uh, there was, uh, uh, there was not a great deal of, uh, of, uh, uh, ecclesiasticism or, uh, or, uh, uh, theological endeavor. For instance, we didn't know the meeting was fair. We didn't know the meeting was scripture. Uh, but yet, that meeting was developing with being one of the greatest religious experience that you could imagine. Uh, there was a lot of levity, there was a lot of hilarity in the uh, oh, okay. in, in the movement. Uh, I, that's the first time I've heard that, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, there, they, uh, there would be a, uh, one person would be in charge of, of, the, of the meeting. If it was a large meeting, people, the people who were going to speak would be on the platform with them. Okay. And, uh, and they would, uh, they would, uh, uh, uh the, the main speaker would, would, uh, make some statement or maybe say something about himself. And then he would, in the, uh, he would introduce each speaker individually as, as, as they spoke. And the difference between testimony you hear in the A meetings, the testimony you heard in the meetings, was a great difference in the type of testimony. Now, you say, what? Oh, well, how would you, what is different? I okay. Know, I'll go back to the AA movement. Is a, the thing uh, that we have is people telling what terrible drunks they Oh, my God, the drunk a lot. And each person tries to abuse yep. and making painting himself how far they were down the ladder and how far they had to come back, you know. And they take the whole time to tell of that terrible experience. And they take no time at all to tell what God is doing in their life yep. now, you see. Except to say, I have, have ten years now, I have ten years of sobriety, and that's it, boom, see. They don't tell what the, what kind of a, of a, uh, the healing of a, maybe a family relationship that results in, in them uh, not uh, uh, coming out of that terrible state they've just described, uh, and the victory that, that, that they're saying, and uh, what's happening in other people's lives because of their change. Uh, and, and these are the things that inspire people to, to, uh, to want to change. Uh, Oxford Group, of course, there was... Uh, very little mention about alcohol at that time. This person had a problem doing it, yeah, but that was not the big issue. It was broken relationships. It was uh, it was stealing. It was uh, they would tell stories of of uh, of uh, uh, how God had come into their life and had completely changed their life. It was stories about guidance, what guidance they had, what resulted guidance, uh, how this brought them into a new relationship with people, or how. Uh, there, because of following their, their, their guidance, uh, certain changes result.
discovered uh, you know, maybe in a town where maybe the mayor got changed and certain things happened there for that. And these are the things uh, that are meaningful in people's lives. And then they get beyond uh, just a personal uh, a, a, a personal release. And I believe that's one of the reasons why uh, people uh, are, 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 um, are sticking to uh, just uh, trying to keep themselves uh, sober because uh, the, the, the vision that we are, have, or the level that we've reached in our vision is such that it's almost a, just a, a personal problem now and it does become Uh, inspirational uh, 
in being able to carry that message, uh, where I know some people could speak better than others, but uh, uh, who were the most inspirational people in your life, uh, especially those early days in the 30s? Anybody that uh, that sticks out uh, as being particularly? Perhaps you guys, of course. He really, he really could do. I've only read uh, uh, his material, and he, he spoke once at an AA meeting in 1960, and that's on tape. Uh, and I, and once in 1960. Three or four uh, uh, on the uh, history of AA. Those are the only two times I've ever heard him on tape. So I've, yeah. he really, he really had the magic. Huh? He really oh, could. Yeah, was impressed about that. And then, of course, uh, uh, what was himself was that he was a very direct speaker, but he was not. He was not a personable fellow. In other words, he was, he was not an attractive fellow. He was a physically attractive fellow, uh, but yet he had. Uh, a spiritual spark of dynamic about him that you used that, that did something to you. I guess one of the greatest life changes I ever met in my life was a fellow named Lee Hick, uh, who was son of a Episcopalian minister and, uh, uh, he, he had a way about him of going, going directly into people's lives. I would, I, I would, in the early days we had elevators. Henry of 
Germany uh, working with Hitler with this idea, trying to, trying to get him off his high horse, and he had a team there working with all, all of Hitler's men. Yes. And uh, he was getting ready to go into Czechoslovakia, and uh, uh, war crowds were forming, and people were talking about military armaments. Wolfman was in the Black Forest walking one day, and thought came to him that the next great movement in the world was, would be the moral and spiritual rearming of men and nations. And so he began to talk in that context of armament. He began to talk uh, that the real necessity in the world was the moral rearming of people, uh, if you want to bring uh, about a new world. Uh, and that's how that's the uh, Every, uh, the name of the actor group has changed because of circumstances. Uh, the actor, the movement, the first was the first Christian, uh, first century Christian fellowship. Yes, that was the first one. Then in 1928, Wilkman took some oxygen students down, uh, oh, down in South Africa. Yes, and you know they, they on the train. They, yeah, the porter wrote the name actor group on the doors because he got tired of people the way these people were. I've read that. And read. The, so the name Oxford Groups is yeah. stuck. And then when 1938-39, Bookman began to talk about the moral rearming of nations, why uh, uh, what naturally gravitated to moral rearmament. Many people would say, well, it's, it's, it's out of date now, you should change the name, but uh, Wally, what are you, uh, what are you changing names? You, regardless of what, unfortunately things have to have names, because as soon as you name something, it denotes membership. Uh, uh, then it, it denotes something, of course, that membership, you have to join something. Uh, this minimizes number two. It denotes a, a, a type of thinking, uh, you, you galvanize a type of thinking in, in, in this. <laughs> And this limits the, the, the number of people. So, uh, the minute you name something, you immediately, uh, uh minimize the, the, uh, number of people who, who are going to be followers of that idea. And it's unfortunate you have to name the friends. See, the idea, uh, the actual group has always been, and the AA movement should always be, that not to get people to join something, but to, but an avenue by which you can get God in control of their yeah. lives. That's the thing. That's, that's exactly what it's all about. To get God in control and get us out of the way. That's exactly right. Get yourself out of the picture and get God in control of your lives. So let me just uh, uh, summarize the, uh, yeah. the train uh, incident in South Africa and uh, Frank uh, going through the forest in uh, the Black, Black Forest. Both of those were true stories. Oh, sure. Okay, just wanted to make sure that that, uh, sometimes we get uh, a little bit of a myth, or sometimes it gets uh, dressed up, or maybe it becomes bigger than life over the oh, years. No, no, but, that's, uh, that's, that's, very, that's all of those documents. Okay, great. Let me take you back, if I could, uh, to the meetings. Uh, one thing that, uh, in talking with uh, Jack uh, here in Tucson uh, a couple years ago, a uh, gentleman that uh, you say that you've had a chance to get to know over the years, who retired here, uh, he mentioned that um, the Oxford Group meetings uh, were all non-smoking meetings. Uh, there was never any uh, uh, smoking or refreshments during the uh, the actual meeting. Oh no, we we, we uh, <laughs> I just was. It's 
see uh, smoking was one of the visible signs that there was something wrong in you see. So, so smoking was, uh, there was very, uh, I don't know of any people in the actual group that, I mean, who were in the group that smoked, you see. Uh, because if your life had changed, it, uh, That's right, that's exactly right. <laughs> And, and that's what uh, people can't understand is, is why, uh, you see, uh, here people uh, fight alcohol, but in our church we have to have, we have to have one whole uh, wig there uh, repainted because of smoking, uh, the AA people smoking, they were using a church, you know, uh, and, uh, and they seem to, uh, to, to, uh, Substitute coffee drinking for alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me uh, again uh, mention at least there's hope. There was shape. no coffee in the, in the, uh, in the Oxford group meeting. There was no, there was not, there was no refreshment at all. It was all spiritual food that they were. All eating. spiritual food. Yeah. And when Bill Wilson come to our meeting, with Frederick, uh, <laughs> he, he would, uh, he would. Uh, first thing he always asked was, "Are you going to have any drunk here tonight?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." Bill was going to have. If the, the people, uh, some people are drinking, I don't, I don't know. He, he said, "Well, I, if you if you have anybody, I want to talk to him. If you have any any problem, he was just upset with giving what he found to every person that had an alcohol problem that he met. Any drunks coming to the meeting? Huh? Oh yeah, he was just, uh, and, and he carried this idea with him all the time when he was Sam Schumacher, uh, and he got, and so he got to the point in the Gramercy, uh, uh, uh uh, uh, church up there, and, and Sam's church, uh, that he, uh, that, uh, that Bill got, uh, he got criticized because he wanted to hold meetings up there just, just for people with alcohol problems. Yes. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, they said, no, we don't, I said, uh, we don't, uh, uh we don't want to take that approach. He said, we want to, uh, our, our problems, I mean, our, Concept here is for changing the whole person, and uh, and not just dealing with one small aspect of it. Because well, you can see when you deal with from a practical standpoint, uh, you 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 limit your. There are many people drinking; it's all considered a problem. See, uh, and so therefore they aren't interested in alcohol. And it's also uh, one of the thing of that I found is that you're not dealing here when. Uh, uh, that uh, often, if you don't deal with the other issues in a person's life, uh, alcohol is, is is usually the the thing that that takes them away from those problems. It's a uh, it's a it's sort of a seclusion they they go into or a release uh, from that particular problem. So if you deal with those problems. Then you don't need the alcohol to take you away from them, see? Yeah, you don't need to. And, and it's a reverse process in a sense. Deal with the problem and then you don't need to yeah. uh, live with any false solutions. Sure. Which uh, alcohol and drugs are all just false uh, false solutions. The other thing that Jack mentioned, and uh, you touched about it earlier uh, when we first got together on the phone, was about how people dressed when they went to the Oxford Group meetings. That uh, uh, people wanted to demonstrate that uh, yes, their lives had changed, and that this was a uh, uh, a special event in their lives to go to an Oxford Group meeting. And they uh, and you said I believe that everybody wore a coat and tie, and, and the women did dress. Um, did he say it was uh, evidence of their change? 
Well, he said it was just one way that they demonstrated that their lives had changed. Well, that's interesting. I never, uh, I, I, I disagree with that, but I mean, I never, never. Oh, okay. But I was always conscious, not in our, uh, uh, group, but you put your, you put your best face forward. Best face forward. Yeah, yeah, when, and there was, there was no refreshment or there was no coffee or anything, uh, like that. Then, while we after these people spoke, then the meeting, then, then the meeting would just begin, see. I was just preliminary. The meeting, okay. The meeting would, would begin when, when they would, you, you would, uh, start talking with people around the room and, and you'd soon, soon see people pair off and they'd go and talk about the, uh, these would be people uh, talking in deeper sense about their own life and, and uh, then, uh, these people were, uh, taken through uh, you take them through a series of steps in order to get them changed. In other words, we had what's called the five C's. You're familiar with those. Yes, I am. Uh, and then uh, we were taught how to how to do a life-changing process. Uh, and so then... Uh, when you say you were taught, were you taught to just by the experience of attending the meetings, or was there formalized... No, no, we would have a... You would, uh, there were some, we would we'd have a classroom like... Uh, we'd have a classroom session on the five C's. Oh. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, to how, uh, how these five C's would, uh, would relate to, uh, how we could, uh, how we could bring our experience, translate our experience into another person's life where you result in their change too, you see? That's what I'm talking about is how you multiply, uh, another person's life. I mean, uh, your change into the life of another person. Now, uh, people, uh, innocently in churches who never get beyond the experience, maybe uh, can't be condemned for them because they don't know, uh, they don't know how to do this. You see, and in an AA, they don't know how to do it this either. Was, this was, we were taught this in the Arkansas group, uh, how to, how to bring this uh, now, out. these classroom sessions, were they part of the meeting or after oh, the no, meeting no, or they, separate they, from they, the meeting? These, were, uh, these weren't all that prevalent, but every now and then in a, in a team meeting where you'd have a strictly a team meeting. Okay. Where you wouldn't necessarily have any, you would, you would talk about these, these elements of life changing, where people would have a chance to, to, to tell of their, of their, maybe their experience with bringing, uh, bringing, a person to Christ, uh, and how, uh, or, or how, uh, uh, or difficulties they might be having. And it was a matter of how you could, how you could hone, hone your, your, your team's experience to the point where you would make the, uh, maximum, uh, uh, effort. The, the Oxford group was basically, uh, an evangelistic movement. Oh, yes, uh, uh, without all of the, all of the ecclesiastical, uh, trimmings and everything, it was very, in a very practical sense. Very similar to the How Do I Begin pamphlet, see how yes. direct that is. Oh, very how simple. simple that is. Yep. And that's the way the Oxford group was leading people, uh, to Christ in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very, uh, sane and practical way. Without all the, uh, Dogma and the ritual that's and... That's right. That drives people away. Oh, what about uh, the other thing that uh, uh, Jack mentioned was the uh, um, 
the moment of silence, uh, that the, the moment of silence, that the meetings that he remembered uh, back in the 30s were uh, that they actually opened with with silence, uh, and uh, that there was that the moment of silence would sometimes be as long as five minutes, so that people could get in touch with God or in tune with God. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I can't remember that as being uh, as the format of every meeting, but uh, yes, I can re- remember some meetings like that, uh, but that was the, uh, that sort of varied with the leadership and the local okay. and that sort of thing. Do you think maybe the moment of silence was more prevalent in the Midwest than on the East Coast? Uh, could be. Could um, be. Could be. Because it, the moment of silence wasn't all that prevalent in, in, in my experience. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I know that... Uh, uh, Jack attended quite a few meetings in the Akron and uh, and Cleveland areas, uh, as well as back on the East Coast, and he may have been drawing upon that experience too. Uh, what about the uh, meetings that Bill Wilson attended? You said that you had a chance to well, meet Bill. The way the way this happened was that uh, uh, we and Frederick uh, we had a we had a team at that time around thirty five. People, I guess uh, that it was very uh, people move in, move out. But usually we would have that many in the meeting, and uh, uh, we began to have meetings in the old Francis Guy Hotel. Frederick gave us okay. a had a room down in the basement called the Blue and Gray Room, and that was a very uh, that was a very popular meeting room. And we used to have these meetings on Saturday night at that time. Bill Wilson was a stockbroker in New York, and after I guess a week on on Wall Street, and he was uh, uh, he was pretty well tired out. He had a habit of coming down to visit friends in, in Lees around Leesburg, Virginia, and this was horse country. You had these big uh, country estates, and Bill would come down there for the weekend just to relax, be with friends, and. Uh, uh, he heard about these meetings over in Frederick, and this is about a 15-mile trip. Okay. And uh, he would come over on Saturday nights to, uh, and he'd come in to introduce himself. And, uh, I remember what that start. And uh, but regardless of when he came, he would always ask the same question: Are we going to have any drunks tonight? And uh, then uh, Bill spoke on several occasions, I remember, and uh, this went on for, I guess, a couple of years, and then, uh, uh, and then, uh, uh, I didn't see Bill after that, he, he centered in New York with uh, Sam Schumacher and, and uh, Sherry Day and all the fellows up there in New York, and, uh, uh, and, uh, I moved to Baltimore, and I didn't see Bill after that. Then. What did Bill strike you as, uh, in terms of being able to speak? Uh, did you well, remember anything about alcohol? He, he always talked about alcohol. Oh, sure, he never talked about anything but alcohol. Okay, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, see, but but but, uh, uh, but when uh, when God touched his life on alcohol, it also touches on smoking, gambling, the wrong relationship with women, and Bill had a lot of those. Uh, he, he touched the whole person, you see. But, but Bill, <laughs> Bill was so impressed 
how God had come into his life when he could, uh, he was desperate and took alcohol out of his life. He was so impressed with this that this was the biggest thing that he could, that he could think of in, in, in a way to witness to God's power in his life. So he, he talked mostly about alcohol. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, because later on he did still have some difficulties in other areas. In fact, sure. in fact, he actually died of emphysema. Yeah. He fought the uh, cigarette the, the uh, problem uh, off and on all his life. Yeah. Never really did uh, uh, wrestle that one to uh, to the ground. And um, of course, he did have some uh, some women problems further on too. So, uh, well, you see, uh, I think. Uh, I think this, this, uh, by concentrating uh, on the alcohol, maybe he'd, he'd lost sight that, uh, his entire life had changed, not uh, just in one area. It, it's that when, uh, you, you de-emphasize the other issues when you emphasize just one issue in your life, see? I'm listening, I'm hearing what you're saying. You don't guard against those, the first thing you know, you slip overboard. Yep. Because Bill also had a, a great deal of depression in his life, too, as a result of that. He never, he always seemed to be, uh, doubting uh, that he truly had been changed. And uh, I think maybe that uh, he kept looking for another experience, like yeah. the one he had in Towns Hospital. <laughs> I think everyone tried that. <laughs> I tried that. I tried to go back and recapture my feelings at that original. You know, go back on retreats and try to, to rededicate your life again. And it's uh, never always, never like that. The first time, no, no, that's uh, that's uh, that's a once in a lifetime experience. That sure is. Uh, I remember when, when that night in the YMCA building uh, that I was telling you about, five people that changed uh, that night that that uh, meeting, and they, they went out and they really, uh, really uh, uh, upset the town. Really, what happened from then on, but. There was two guys, myself and another fella, were in the same church. And there was an old fella who used to run the Tuesday night prayer meeting by the name of Brother Kesey, and he was he was a great fundamental Christian. Uh, we went to him, and we thought we'd he'd be delighted to, to know that two of these young people in the church got converted. So we went in to him uh, the morning, Sunday morning at that time, and said, Brother Kesey, we want to tell you that we gave our lives to God last night. We uh, we we were converted, and he said, "Did you see a shining light come down from heaven and sort of blinded you?" And I, he said, "No, we didn't see that." He said, "I don't know, fellas." He said, "I don't think you got it." <laughs> so we could only get converted one way. The way he got converted, you see, and that was that was it. And so to him, <laughs> you had to see that light, or you didn't, or you, or you didn't. And uh, I'm so glad that we don't all have to see the same light. Getting back to the meetings uh, in um, uh, Frederick, uh, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, when you talked about Bill coming down from the weekend, uh, yeah. he probably was traveling with a gentleman by the name of Fitz Mayo. Did you ever meet Fitz well, Mayo? Yeah, I met Fitz Mayo. Somebody. I don't remember Fitz Mayo. Uh, uh, he may have come to one of those meetings in Frederick, but I don't remember yeah, I remember Fitz. Because yeah. Fitz uh, lived in that area, and uh, Fitz uh, uh, got sober in 
30, was, yeah, I think it was AA number three. In fact, he was AA number three in New York. But he also uh, had a place outside of Washington, D.C., and uh, and Bill would come down there for the weekends. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the linkage of how Bill got to those meetings. Uh, this man who used to go to Washington, but he never, to my knowledge, he never came to credit. Oh, okay. Well, okay, because he lived closer, probably closer yeah, to yeah. Washington. They had a large team in Washington. They had a team. They had a team of a hundred or hundred and fifty people there in Washington. That's it. So we used to go down there quite often on weekends when they'd have a meeting. Oh, that would make for quite a meeting. A hundred, hundred and fifty people. Oh yeah. Well, the, the meeting, the first meeting I went to was here in Baltimore. That five hundred. In the Lord Baltimore Hotel, and, and after I came here, I uh, got involved in the Oscar group. I still can't see how they got 500 people together, but they did. <laughs> Ever get a chance to go like to that uh, uh, meeting in uh, the Berkshire Mountains? I think that was in '37, where there were 10,000 people, or uh, I heard tell the one in uh, Los Angeles where they packed the Hollywood Bowl. And oh yeah, I was, I was there. That was. You were there at the Hollywood Bowl one? Oh, sure. I was, when they introduced the Maori Arma, uh, uh, we had a Madison Square meeting that was 5,000, I remember. No, it was more than that, 10,000, I guess. <laughs> the next one, we moved to Constitution Hall, that only seats 5,000, and that was packed. And then we went from there right to, to California, where we had it in the Hollywood Bowl, and people were turned away, and the capacity of the bowl was 30,000. That's what I heard. I heard as many as 10,000 people were turned away. Yeah, so there could be. There, could there, be. there was definitely an overflow crowd that they oh, could yeah. only see. You had all the, you know, all the celebrities there, you know, the, the movie celebrities. There was a big night. Spotlights uh, flashing, you know, and all that sort of thing. And we had, the, I remember, two, they had four spotlights right back of the podium shooting straight up in the air. These were so powerful. All they had was a white beam, and they represented the four standards. Oh, okay. And, and uh, yeah, it was a quite a, 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 a dramatic <laughs> meeting uh, as far as the staging is concerned. They had all of the, they had all of the, uh, all of the know-how of Hollywood available. You see, and they, they uh, really they took advantage of it too. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that was quite an event. I've yeah, just seen the pictures of the bowl filled and, and just read the, uh, the reports, uh, but, uh, then something to have actually have been there. Yeah, I, I had the privilege of being to all three of those meetings. Great. Constitution Hall. Well, uh, the first one was uh, Madison Square. Madison Square Garden is the first one. And, uh, then, the, then the Constitution Hall and the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, it all would have been 39 if I remember. Right, uh, 1939. The first meeting was 1938 in uh, London, England, East London. That's where Wild Rail was. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that, but it actually had kicked off in England first. Is that, and that's after uh, Frank had uh, been uh, through the Black Forest, then I guess he, and he, he decided to uh, get right on it and... Well, they, uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, it, 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 uh, it moves fast. Uh, of course, Frank wasn't, uh, successful in his, uh, 
contacts with Hitler, and I know that there turned out to be quite a flap about it too. That uh, there was well, said, some of his uh, uh, there was there was there was uh, uh, the great deal of headway made made with some of his lieutenants. I heard Himmler was was listening. Uh, uh, yes, there was some talk, but there was some younger lieutenants who were quite. That was quite taken by the idea and everything. And, but, you know, Hitler was a dictator. And, oh, boy. Yeah. And whatever he said went, you know. So so when he said, uh, when he said, throw uh, that out the window, you see, well, it was coming out the window. But, but yet, it was the basis, those seeds that were sown there were, were the basis of reconciliation between France and Germany when Adam Lohr at the Cove. to say was uh, his objective was to change the world one life at a time. 
Does that ring true, or is that... Well, uh, well, did he really use the one nation, one... Uh, I've never heard it expressed in, in, in those words. One, okay. One life at a time. But that may be an AA. We're talking about new man, new nation, new world. He's constantly saying that, that the new world has to start as you. See? Yeah. And people are constantly uh, talking about uh, uh, changing the world or uh, or creating uh, something new in the world, but they're always like in terms of Timbuktu or uh, or. It begins with me. Across the nation. Yep. The world that most, I mean, what is the world to us? The world to us, I think, is the people we touch every day. Yep. And if we can't affect something change there, how in the world are we going to change something over in Timbuktu? Oh, yes. We've got to deal with the basics in our own life as they relate to other people. Let me make sure I get that right. It's new men, new nations, new world. New world. Got it. That was uh, that was his slogan, and we have lots of little slogans like it, like you can uh, uh, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building nests in your hair. Like when you read Sermon on the Mount, it's there, but they're not 
areas of the country, like in Akron and Cleveland, which still practice the four absolutes, and uh, and they are an integral part of the meetings, and they even have uh, the four absolutes pamphlet is still being published in Cleveland. That's right. Uh, that's I didn't a, know. I didn't know. I didn't know they were published, but that, but that is great because uh, uh, see in the I think uh, where it said take a personal inventory. You know, well, how do you take a personal inventory? Uh, personal inventory to everyone is different. See, there's no guidelines by which you take a personal inventory, but the four standards are. And if you take you know, there is a question about that. If you take a personal inventory on the four standards, then everyone is doing it on the same basis. Yes, that's also brought out in this little pamphlet too. Yeah, and uh, which I thought was uh, very clearly stated. Uh, I'm really uh, so grateful that you sent that pamphlet along. Uh, uh, I've never seen uh, the program uh, simplified so uh, so clearly, and uh, I'm definitely going to make sure that. Uh, Reprints of that pamphlet get uh, sent out all over the countryside. That's great. Because it's the first time I've seen it. And, uh, well, it's not, it's not printed anymore. Uh, so you, it, it's only, I, I may be. <laughs> you may be the one to laugh. I may be the only person that has one. I don't know. I haven't seen any of them around. Well, that's why we need to, uh, make sure that we get them out because we don't want to lose this piece of our history. That's, that's exactly right. And uh, that's a that's an integral part of it. That I'd like to make sure that we do uh, we carry forward uh, so that it doesn't get uh, lost in in all the uh, the fault or all that uh, we seem to be seeing. And like you said, some of these AA meetings where uh, all you do is hear drunk a log and all problem and no solution. And uh, God is the solution, and that's uh, what I truly believe that we're here to talk about when we go to meetings. Is uh, how God's changed our lives, and He's obviously changed your life, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to our getting together. If um, if you would uh, allow me to do so, I would love to call the Wilson House and let them know that you're coming, and well, to make know, but I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll get up one in the motel there. Uh, don't uh, don't crowd me in there because that'll be inconvenient to someone else. And I, I'd rather just go into motel, really. Okay. I'd also like to invite you to share some of this uh, okay. uh, on the podium. Uh, it's just uh, for the record because uh, all of this is being taped, and uh, uh, I would like to uh, have you uh, speak for the record on the, the differences that you see between the AA meetings and the Oxford Group meetings and the emphasis and all of that. That is all vital information that uh, people need to hear. Yeah. Or, uh, or we're going to get so watered down and diluted that uh, they'll think that we're just another, uh, uh, like Henrietta Seiberling said, uh, uh, to, well, Bill wanted to take, uh, wanted to de-emphasize God. Uh, yeah. This was back in, uh, uh, back, I believe, in the late 30s, and they were in the process of writing the book uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and he was talking to Henrietta about de-emphasizing the God part, and Henrietta said, uh, well, uh, we're not here to please the alcoholic. We're here to please God. The alcoholic's been pleasing himself all these years anyway. Yeah. But he said, but she said, if you take God out of the program, you might as well be the Rotary Club. That's right. And uh, heaven help us if we ever become the Rotary Club, uh, because uh, as, as much of a value as they are, uh, I mean, we definitely are, are are supposed to be talking about a spiritual solution to. Uh, uh, the afflictions that have uh, held us back from this uh, conscious contact with God. 
Well, in Verde, we have the four steps, uh, I mean, the, the four-way test, which is very, very similar to the, uh, to the, uh, to the four standards. And I've been teaching for 29 years now in, in schools. Uh, it's, uh, it's truth, fair to all concerned, oh. build goodwill, better friendships, and will it be beneficial to all concerned? So you can see uh, that the four standards are all intertwined in that. And uh, some of the schools here usually are saying this along with the uh, Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. You can't be attacked on a religious basis because it's a mild issue. And uh, so... Uh, I have heard it, I've heard that test stated differently. Um, can you do that again a little bit slower so I can... Number one, is it the truth? Is it the truth, yes. Uh, sorry to didn't say if it is the truth and honest, because when you say is it the truth, uh, you get into some sort of a connotation of, of little white lies, you know, okay. sort of thing. I've, heard, I've, uh, I've even heard one of our AA sponsors uh, here locally uh, tell one of, uh, one of their people they were working with, uh, it's okay to lie a little. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine that? that? That's the blind leading the blind. Okay, it's okay. To, this is one of the 12-step programs that they were, that I got involved in. Mm. Uh, but anyhow, is it the truth of the person? The yep. second one, is it fair yep. to all concerned? Number three, will it build goodwill and better friendships? Number four, is it beneficial to all concerned? That, that's the program. Yep. And I'll be, uh, how, uh, that's the test. I've got one of those, uh, this goes back to, uh, the morning quiet time that a fellow by the name of Herb Taylor had in the early 30s about how to, to bring an answer to, uh, bankrupt business that he'd been in charge, put in charge of. And those are no longer available. I have copies, and I'll send you one of those. Oh, you if you... these are related. If you could, then I would certainly like to make copies of those for the yeah. conference, too. Sure. Because the, the four-way test, uh, we have an old-timer from Cleveland that uh, cut his teeth on the four absolutes and the five C's, and, and he talked about the four-way test, but in Is all... Rotarian? I'm sorry? Is he a Rotarian? Now, that I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'll ask him. His name is Cal Wallet, and he's been in AA since the uh, uh, early 60s, and his dad, uh, he took his dad through treatment centers several times in the 50s, so he knew all the old-timers. Yeah. And he does, from the podium, talk about the four absolutes and the five Cs, and he does talk about the four-way test. Uh, he does describe it a little differently. Uh, I'd love to, and I think maybe well, it's just I'll over the you, years. Uh, I've been dealing with it. <laughs> I've been dealing with it uh, uh Connection with the Oxford group, I've asked on to this four-way test as a uh, as a medium uh, or a vehicle by which we could bring something new into the lives of people without getting too sanctimonious or something. Oh, I like it very much, you know, and so I've been using this to a great extent. And the one other thing I'd like to uh, ask you is to repeat again the uh, the comment that uh, Frank Bookman made about the. Uh, uh, writing down the guidance, I think you said the strongest memory. He said the strongest memory. If this is a, he quotes this as a Chinese proverb. Okay. The old Chinese proverb, you should go back. The strongest memory is weaker than the palest ink. Than the palest ink. Okay. Uh, it's weaker than the palest ink, which 
in any of our memory. Oh, that is beautiful. See, the strongest memory is weaker than the tail thing. That is a, that's a classic line. And if, I'd like to use that if I could. Can I borrow that one? <laughs> it's Oxford Group material. I will definitely, uh, sure. uh, I want to carry that along because that is as uh, clear and, and concise a summary statement on the guidance that I've seen and why we write it down. Uh, no, this has been a great uh, session. Uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, we burned up an hour and a half here on, <laughs> on the telephone lines, and I certainly want to do this again. Uh, James, uh, I want to thank you kindly uh, uh, for sharing with us today on the uh, on the early days of the Oxford Group and the connections and the similarities and differences, as you see it, between uh, the Oxford Group, Moral Rearmament today, and uh, and AA, because of, AA has changed also over the years, and part of our uh, mission as archivists is to uh, get AA back to the basics, and, uh, and the basics uh, for the for the AA was the Oxford Group, and uh, I think the closer we stay to our roots, the the stronger the fellowship will become in the years ahead, but uh, 95% of the people in AA don't even have a clue as to where we came from. And that's our mission is to is to make that information available, and that's what's going to happen at the Wilson House, and that's why I would love to have you there. Well, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly try to do. In the meantime, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get some any additional things that I think you might be interested in. That I have extra copies. Here. I'll send them on to you. Oh, that four-way test. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll dig out that uh, uh, four absolute pamphlet yeah. uh, that AA is still printing in Cleveland. Yep. And I'll zip that one your way. That'd be great. That'd so be that you great. see that at least there's a pocket of enthusiasm left out here okay. in the Cleveland area. Yeah. And uh, I'll be in touch later, uh, probably over the weekend or first next week. Uh, do you have a message machine where I could leave a message if you're not there? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, and keep you posted on uh, on what the uh, feedback from the Wilson House is in terms sure. of uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to welcome you with open arms. Nell Wing, Bill Wilson's secretary, would love to meet you, as well as everybody that's going to be there. Uh, it's a small crowd, but these are people that are coming in all over the country, and these are the people that will be carrying that message back to the four corners of the United States as to uh, what the early days uh, meant. And you, you'd be such a welcome addition to this session. Um, um, that's oh, uh, what, a, what a godsend that, uh, that you're that you're with us today so that uh, we can still hear well, uh, what it was Chris like. That because she was one. <laughs> I am definitely going to be calling her tonight. Oh, me, uh, see, I talked to her. We were, uh, I forget where we were. We were to an Oxford uh, MRA meeting here some time ago. Oh, well, I was talking to her about this, and uh, she recalled it, and she uh, called me on the phone the other day. So what we're talking about now came out of that conversation. Oh, that's so good. Uh, it's amazing how God works. It is. It but, he, but he's working in all of our lives, and it shows. I'm amazed every day. And Me too. The, the truth that he brings, he brings into our lives. Oh. Well, you enjoy the day, and I'll be in touch with you real soon. Thank you, Wally. Thank you, James. You take care. Right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.